Welcome to week two of What Now? Uh, you guys stick around to the very end because we'll be talking about details on what to expect for our Easter experience, which is next weekend. And since we all can't be together in person, we're going to talk about what you guys can expect virtually. And um, also at the end, we've got something special I think you guys will enjoy. One of the most pressing questions, without a doubt, in any crisis, whether it's a, a global crisis like what we're dealing with right now, with COVID-19, or even a personal crisis, is the question of where's God? Like, like why God? And where were you when this happened to me? Where are you now? Why, why didn't you stop this? Sometimes the question is, why did you allow this? And, there, and there's all kinds of questions that people ask and direct those questions to God specifically because we look for someone to hold responsible, right? I mean, somebody that maybe not blame, although we probably feel those feelings too, but certainly somebody that we can look to and say, why didn't you stop this? Why did you do this? Why did you allow this? We would like an explanation. And when it comes to this coronavirus crisis, I think we all feel that. Some sense of, what's up, God? Uh, what's going on here? And so, it's okay. You need to know that. I want to say that up front. It's okay to have questions. And it's okay to direct these questions to God. Because God is certainly God enough to handle any of the questions that we bring to Him. But what I want to do before we start answering the question specifically about where God is in all of this is to dismantle a damaging and off-base assumption that I think a lot of people make when it comes to any crisis or specifically, let's talk about COVID-19, coronavirus. And it's this assumption that somehow the coronavirus is a judgment of God, that COVID-19 is somehow God's judgment on the world, and that God's getting us, and that God's getting the people that are sick. And I actually heard that. I have heard people talk about this. Oh, I bet I know what's going on. Oh, I bet I know. And I just want to say, I don't think that's an accurate view of what's going on here. I don't think it's an accurate view of who God is and how God works, and I don't even think it's an accurate depiction of history and what, what we know about what's going on in history. Let me explain. Okay, if you want to know who God is, or if you want to know what God is like, or if you want to know how God works in the world, all you got to do is look at Jesus. Just look to Jesus, because Jesus is what God had to say about himself. When God wanted to explain himself to the world in the most clear defining way. When God wanted to help the world discover what he was like and how he works, he sent his son, Jesus. When God wanted to help us get to know him personally, he sent Jesus. And Jesus is what God has to say about himself. Now, when you look at Jesus and watch how he interacted with people and how he interacted with life and how he did what he did when he was on earth. Jesus did not cause crisis. 
In fact, Jesus did one of two things. When Jesus stepped into a painful crisis, he either healed it and removed it, or he entered into it. He joined people in it. He actually became part of it with people. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But if you want to get to know what God is like, if you want to get to know God, if you want to understand what He's up to, especially in times of crisis, just look at how Jesus handled crisis. Just look at how Jesus responded to pain and suffering and loss. That's a crystal clear picture of what God is like. So to say that God is judging the world through COVID-19 is to miss so much of who Jesus is and what Jesus did to help us understand what God is like. And let me take it a step further. To say that God is judging the world is to dismiss what we know about history. I mean, look at American history, look at world history, you just look at history and you see a pattern of plagues, famine, and disease. No, not as a normal daily part of life for every culture and every society, but it certainly isn't unusual. It's not out of the question that eventually there's going to be a plague of some kind. Eventually, there's going to be times of famine. Eventually, there's going to be a tragedy. Eventually, there's going to be natural disaster. Eventually, there's going to be disease. It's just the way the world works. We don't have to go back any further than 2009. Remember that? The H1N1? The swine flu? Hundreds of thousands of people all over the world were adversely affected by this. And so we know, even in our recent history, that disease and sickness and death, it's just the way it is. From time to time, it's going to happen. In fact, it was such a natural part of what people experienced in biblical history that there are certain parts of the Old Testament specifically that take this into account. In the book of Psalms, in the Old Testament, which is really an, a collection of music, a collection of poetry and songs, there are certain psalms that are referred to as psalms of lament. For instance, Psalm 90 is a psalm of lament where over and over and over again in that psalm, the question is asked to God, posed to God, how long, God? How long are you going to let this continue? How long are we going to continue to hurt? How long are we going to feel this, this pain? How long are we going to suffer? How long, God? A psalm of lament. It was such a normal part of life that there are actual songs written where people can express that. Yeah. And if you look back in history, the way the church and, and Christians and followers of Jesus typically responded was not, oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, God's judging us because of this negative thing that's happening. I mean, there's always a few outliers, always a few people that are like, yeah, yeah, I bet God's getting us. No, but overall, if you look at how followers of Jesus have processed these things, they, they saw it as an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to represent Jesus in the world, to serve like Jesus served, to love like Jesus loved, and to meet needs the way Jesus did. And I think that's the healthiest way to process the coronavirus. Is that this is an opportunity for the church to be the church. This is an opportunity for followers of Jesus to step up and be Jesus to the world around them. So, judgment of God, 
I, I, th I think that's a misunderstanding of what truly is going on here. But let's answer the question, okay? Where is God? Where is God in all this? You really have two options in answering that question. Option number one, either God is absent, or option number two, either somehow He is present in it. So let's start with option number one, because a lot of people say when they look at COVID-19 and they look what's going on in the world and they see the pain and the suffering and they see the death numbers rising and they see the chaos and the worry and the fear, their conclusions are, yeah, God's not involved in this at all. How could a good and loving God be involved in something like this? How could a good and loving God take part in something like this. This must mean God is absent. It must mean God is detached or God doesn't care. And some people even take it so far as to conclude that God isn't existing, present, around at all. Some people take this as proof in their minds that God doesn't even exist. That God is absent. How could a good and loving God allow this? Or, or sometimes what people will do is they'll personalize it and they'll say, you know, if I were God, if I were God, this is what I would do. If I were God, I would fix this. If I were God, I would change this. Well, let me just take this opportunity and let you all know, you better be thankful I'm not God. Right? We better be thankful that you're not God. But you hear people say that. I think it comes from the assumption that People assume that God's presence in any situation automatically must mean the absence of pain or problems or questions or negative uh, outcomes, anything bad. That if God is present, that means the absence of anything that is bad. At the same time, I think people also assume that Anytime we have the presence of pain and problems or sickness or disease or questions of doubt, the presence of suffering must automatically mean that God's nowhere around, that God is somehow absent. No. What you need to know and I need to know that crisis is actually where God is often seen the clearest. It's actually where God often shows up the most the most, in the most real way, in the most tangible ways, it's actually where God joins us and enters into what we're experiencing. How do we know this? We look at Jesus, and it's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did this over and over and over again. He entered into people's pain. There's a word that is often used to describe Jesus' response to crisis and people's crisis that they're in, and that is compassion. Compassion. Just look at the word compassion itself when you break it down. The word passion means suffering. The word, the, the prefix to that, C-O-M, come, is, it finds its root meaning in the coming together, joining. So you have Jesus joining in people's suffering unifying himself with them, coming alongside of them, attaching himself, entering into with them the pain they're experiencing. Jesus had compassion on people. And I'm telling you right now, God has compassion when it comes to this COVID-19. Okay, let's take it a step further. Look at the cross. 
where Jesus literally not just entered into the pain of the world, but took it on himself and somehow in a supernatural divine way drew up into himself the pain and the suffering of all sin and all problems and all bad and all evil. He absorbed it up into himself, took it upon himself on the cross. Talk about entering into. In no way was he absent. And even when he sent us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm sending you my spirit, and he called the Holy Spirit a comforter, the comforter, that's going to join with us and be with us. No, in no uncertain terms, Jesus made it very clear that when it comes to crisis and pain and suffering, he was not absent. He is not absent, not even now. In fact, that takes us to the second option. If he's not absent, then he must be present. But I want to take it a step further and not just suggest to you and help you understand that God is present with us. I want to take it to a deeper level and and say God is not just present. He is inhabiting our pain and suffering. He inhabits this crisis. He is not just hanging around somewhere. No, he is actually with us. God inhabits suffering, literally with us, giving us his strength, his peace, and he is with us through his spirit. And I know when you are hurting, and I know when you are pain, and I know when enough is enough, and you've just had it, sometimes that's hard to see. And sometimes it's hard to feel. Sometimes it's hard to, to figure out and understand. But yet, Even though I can relate to that as well, it is no less true that He inhabits our suffering. He inhabits our pain. He's not just hanging around. He is literally close and with us. See, I think one of the reasons we struggle with this is that we typecast God. We typecast the presence of God. In that it's always going to, when God is present or when God is near, he's always going to be like this. It's always going to feel like this and always going to seem like this. You know what typecasting is like, right? Typecasting is when um, you see an actor or an actress play a certain part so long in a a TV series, so long, so often, that you have a hard time seeing them in any other role, no matter what movie they're in or other show they're in, maybe when that show is over. Like Jason Alexander is like that for me. Uh, Jason Alexander is an actor that played George Costanza in Seinfeld, one of the greatest shows of all time. If you're looking for a way to pass your free time during this stay-at-home thing, Seinfeld episodes will do the trick. Okay, But George Costanza, just a classic character, one of my favorites. I can't see Jason Alexander in any other role than George Costanza. And I've seen him play other things, but the whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, this is George, this is George. We typecast Jason Alexander, at least I do, as George Costanza. And people do the same thing to God. No, they don't see God as George Costanza, but they see God. They see God's presence. They typecast God's presence in such a way where they say, when God is near, it's always like this. When God is near, There is no pain. When God is near, there is no suffering. When God is near and the presence of God is close, it always feels a certain way or looks a certain way, and you can't typecast God. He's too big for that. 
yet he is present. And he inhabits our suffering. So what I want to ask us to do together, and I want to ask you to do, join with me. Let's, for the next few moments, let's try to set aside our assumptions. Let's set aside our expectations. Let's lay aside the typecast that we have placed on God's presence and know that he is with us. He is present. He is entering into our pain, our suffering, and crises like COVID-19. And I want to draw your attention to something Paul wrote in the first century, a very familiar passage, especially this first part. But we're going to keep reading as he kind of expands this out. And it helps us understand this because Paul is talking to these Christians in Rome about how to understand the big picture of what God is up to in the world. And they were going through a lot of pain. They were going through a lot of suffering. They were going through a lot of crisis of their own. And so he writes in Romans 8, this is what we know. And we know that God causes everything, everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Everything, every situation, every crisis, every disease, every illness, every tragedy, everything good, everything bad, everything in between, everything. God takes everything and he works it together for good. Now notice, he didn't say that everything is good because some things are bad. COVID-19 is not good. This coronavirus crisis is not good. However, God will take anything, even this thing, even this crisis, and even how it affects you personally, and work it together and achieve good. Good for you, good for me, good for us, and good for the world. So here's, here's a nice little thing to keep in mind. If you look at your current situation and you conclude it's not good, then God's not done. That's proof. God's not done working in that situation. He's not done working in you. Yeah, because he, he takes everything and works it together for good. You see, this is evidence of how God inhabits bad things, how God inhabits negative situations, how God inhabits pain and suffering. The kind of pain and suffering that gets us thinking, what good could possibly come from this? We see God's not done working yet. Because when God is done working, he will have taken everything and work it together for the good. He's just not done yet. Well, Paul goes on. He continues to write. In the same context, he asks a rhetorical question. Now, a rhetorical question, just to brush up on our, our English grammar kind of stuff, is a, is a question that obviously we know the answer. And more times than not, rhetorical questions, the answers are no. So here we go. Paul writes, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or even threatened with death? There's the rhetorical question. It's like God knew. It's like God anticipated that we would go through difficult things, and they would be so difficult that eventually we would begin to question not only is God present, right? He must be absent. No, we would take it a step further and say, God must not even love us. 
God must not even care. God must be so absent and so detached that he doesn't even love us like we thought he did. And so he calls it out. Does it mean he no longer loves us? Does it mean in some way that God doesn't care for us the way we thought he cared for us when we go through negative things? Then he answers the rhetorical question. He didn't have to, but he did. Look, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. Now, I can't promise you that I know what overwhelming victory is always going to look like, but it's good, right? I can promise you that it's something that is brought about by us understanding how much God loves us through Jesus, no matter what we are facing. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. It doesn't mean that all the problems are going to go away. It may just mean that we overcome. In the New Testament, we are referred to as followers of Jesus. In relationship to pain and suffering and even persecution, we are referred to as conquerors, more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That's that idea here when he says overwhelming victory is ours. God's not done working all things together for good yet. That He kind of made that clear there, very clear in the, in the passage just before this. And now he kind of nods back to it that overwhelming victory through the love of Jesus is ours. And then he makes this bold declaration. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons. Then he goes on. Neither our fears for today, and boy, don't we have those right now with this COVID-19 thing. Our fears for today, that's all the what-ifs. Nor our worries about tomorrow, that's all the what-ifs about what's coming. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I mean, those are some bold statements about God's love. Don't question God's love. Don't question does God love us. Is God present with us? Because nothing separates us from his loving presence. And then he concludes, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty clear. I, I think he left no stone unturned, no option um, that he didn't look at there or cover in all of these scenarios. God is not absent. He is present. He is present in our pain, in our suffering. In fact, he inhabits our pain and suffering and our crisis. And we know that and experience that through his love. This is a theme that recurs all throughout the scriptures. And in the New Testament, just a couple of quick places, right before Jesus left earth and went to heaven, in the great commission that he gave his closest followers, his disciples, when he told them, listen, I'm sending you out, and I want you to take my message to the world, he, he gave them this promise. He said, I'm with you always. As you go share my love with people, I am with you always. The writer of Hebrews later on in the New Testament quotes what God said in Deuteronomy 31 back in the Old Testament when he said, I will never leave you 
never. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you, not even in a crisis, not even in a coronavirus crisis. So make no mistake. We may not know what God will do with all of this, even though we know it's going to be good. When it's all said and done, we may not know the details of what God is up to or what, how God is going to take all of this and work it together for good. But we do know what God is doing. And we do know where God is. He is right in the middle of this virus, working all things together for good in so many ways. Just listen for the next few minutes, because I, I made a list. It may not be a comprehensive list. It may not be uh, an exhaustive list. And if you made a list, your list may look a little different. But I challenge you. It may help you. Make a list of all of the ways and all of the places and in all the things where you see God not just present, but actually inhabiting. He is with us. He is involved, and you can see evidence. I see God with us and present and inhabiting this virus situation in the doctors and the nurses who offer help and are providing selfless care. It's interesting, as the great physician, I think God is very much at work through physicians and nurses who are caring for those who are sick. I see God in the scientists who are looking for answers, in the lab technicians who are working on possible vaccines and treatments. Where is God? He's in the leaders. Yes, even the government leaders at the local level and on the national level and on the worldwide level who are doing their best to set boundaries and lead us towards safety. You don't have to agree, but I see God at work in the coming together and the unifying of partisan politicians who begin to work together for the good of the people. I see God at work in the moms and the dads who have suddenly become homeschooling experts, right? Who are teaching their children in the wake of school closures. It's an awesome thing. Where's God? He's in the unexpected moments, the unexpected extended time together that you now have with the people that you say you love the most, your family, as you are following these stay-at-home mandates. Where's God? He's in the isolation of the quarantined room from the person who has been marked as someone who's showing symptoms or marked as someone who has already contracted the virus or someone who has been exposed to it, and so they're quarantined. He is in the middle of that quarantine room with that person offering them peace, strength, even sanity. Where is God? He is in the sick, and He is with the hurting because He has always been found among the suffering. Where is God? He's in the prayers of the jobless. 
He's in the stress of those who are financially strapped. He is with the worried and the exhausted. Where's God in all this? He's in the volunteers who help others even when it's inconvenient to them and just might possibly threaten their own health and safety. And yet they serve anyway. They meet needs anyway. God is in us, His children, through His Spirit, helping us love first when it's hard, love first when it's inconvenient, love first when it's messy. Where is God? He's in the church. No, not a building. Buildings are kind of been taken out of the equation right now, huh? No, he's in the church. Not a building. People. His people. Because church is people. And he's in his people who follow him wherever they are. Even when they can't gather together. Where's God? He's in this whole crisis. Working all things together for good. Bringing people to himself. Where's God? He's in you. Helping you trust more and worry less. So make no mistake, if you're asking the question, where is God in all of this? He's in it. He is all up in it. He is at work in COVID-19 in so many more ways than we can see, feel, know, or understand. Only eternity, future, will reveal to us when we look back to these moments all of the things that God was up to in the middle of all of this. And He asks us to simply trust Him. For some of you, you're being pushed to trust God for the first time in a long time, or maybe for the first time ever, you're really beginning to trust Him. So I encourage you, I welcome you to look for Him because He's present. And He's not just present, He inhabits the middle of this crisis in so many ways. We're going to put a, a question for you on the screen that I want to encourage you to take a picture of, screenshot it, but put it somewhere where you can come back to it this week. And the question is simply this, where can I see God at work in all of this? Where can I see God at work in all of this? Think about that and answer that because there are wonderful answers to that amazing question. Where is God in all of this? He is real. He is present. He is near. And He is with you. And my prayer is that you'll see it like never before. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I ask that you would help us become more and more aware of the fact that you are not just hanging around in the neighborhood. No, you are all up in this situation, this crisis that we find ourselves in. No, you're not judging us. You're not punishing us. You're not picking on us. You have entered into this with us. 
and we don't understand why you've chosen not to remove it, not to just end it, but we trust that you're taking it and you are working it together for the good. That somehow, in some miraculous divine way, you're going to take this and you're going to achieve good things in our world, good things in our nation, good things in our local area, and even good things in our church and in our lives and our families. That you are present and you inhabit our pain and our suffering and our questions and our doubts and our fears and our worries. You inhabit those things. And you are found among those who hurt and suffer. That is comforting to us. Thank you. Thank you for being a God who is that real. And may we trust you more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.